Noel Pikus Pace is a treat. Wasn't that fun? I am not gonna lie. I it brought tears to my eyes at one point. She's I was so, fighting back tears, dude. She's had so, so Olympic medalist yeah. in the skeleton. So pretty much a girl getting recruited off the track and field, uh, you know, high school track, mm -hmm. thrown down an icy mile long run at perilous speeds. Husbands. Her husband's a cobbler of sorts, just fashioning just, these sleds, yeah. you know, with like old ice skates and a cookie sheet, you know, <laughs> and he, and she's just winning everything. Yeah. You know? it, 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 so I, you know, I had heard Noelle's, uh, she has a Ted talk mm -hmm. and, um, you know, she's a, she's an entrepreneur, she's a speaker, but her story to, uh, you know, her relationship with the Olympics and winning gold medals and doing it all as a family and injury and coming no, back. Her, her life is a Disney movie. It is like it, someone needs to make this movie. And, uh, I feel like they're going to use this podcast as their reference to a lot of the backstory. Yeah. And I, I'm such a fan of people with awesome and fun personalities and she, she was rad. Yeah. She showed up after hours. She stayed late. She laughed with us. She, she really shared and it's an incredible story. So enjoy this episode with Noelle Pikus. The league presents electric people. Uh, we are joined today by Noelle Pikus Pace, Olympic skeleton medalist mother, speaker, TED talker, and overall inspiration. <laughs> Thanks for being here today. Thanks for having me. This is great. Yeah, we're glad to be doing this in person. Adam lives on the East Coast. I live on the West Coast. So a lot of our stuff has been remote, but this is the first time in a while we've been able to like sit down with someone and have like a real talk. Oh, awesome. This is how we used to talk in the world like pre-2019. So Face to face. Wow, what's that? doing this in the metaverse in a couple of years. That's right. <laughs> you own land in the metaverse yet, dude? Yet, Not I got yet. my eye on a quads. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I'm really excited to tell your story. Um, you know, I remember, um, you know, I, bits and pieces of it from when I was watching the Olympics, and then uh, to see your TED talk and the story that you tell. I, you have so many things that are that are applicable, but I don't know how somebody gets into skeleton racing. Is that what you call it? Skeleton yeah, racing. Yeah. Is that the same as luge? I think is it the same thing to the audience? What skeleton racing is? What is skeleton yep. racing? Okay. And what the difference between luge is, right? Yeah. Okay. So on a, it's on a bobsled track. That's like two or four people in a little car yep. and they go down and their heads bobble. That's why it's called bobsledding. Oh, funny. Okay. <laughs> and then there are those athletes that are luge athletes and they go down feet forward and they paddle with their hands, paddle, 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 and they have singles and doubles and we call them losers. Uh. <laughs> I don't think they call themselves that. We're having we so that. much fun already. <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> and then skeleton is where we sprint and we dive headfirst onto like a little cookie sheet, basically like a cookie sheet thing onto our stomach. And we go headfirst 90 miles an hour with our chin less than an inch off of the ice. And we steer ourselves down a bobsled track. It's about a mile long course. We get down to about 50 seconds. Wow. But you have Blast. rails and stuff on it, right? It's low, but it's still got, yeah. so, but it's, so it's not the same. It's, got as like it's like blades. So it is kind of like, so luge has like a little bucket seat that you sit in and it has blades on the bottom. Mm -hmm. And we have basically a cookie sheet with those blades on the bottom of our, of our cookie sheet. So and how your does arms are tight down. to our side? Yeah. So we uh, try to be as aerodynamic as possible. They're just right to is our there side. Is in your, your steering involved? Yeah. We steer with pressure points on our sled. So opposite shoulder, opposite knee. And we just apply pressure the whole way down, like a mile long course, countering the, the pressures. It's, it's crazy. Like it's, it's so fast. It's a blur. The first thousand times you go down and every track in the world is different. We travel all around the world and, 
I think you guys should try it, man. I'm so stoked on it. Oh, I've done the I've done the Park City bobsled. <laughs> I'm not yeah, I mean I've I feel like I've set a few personal records okay, on up good there. Job. Yeah. Yeah. So with the pressure point <laughs> thing, is it one of those things where it's probably like micro movements, right? Like, can you like do too much pressure oh, and yeah. turn it way too much? Oh, and for just sure. Go flipping down the. For sure. So like at the top of the track, the pressure points are super subtle. Like you, like even just eye movements or like little grip with your hand. But then as you get further and further down the track, we reach five to six G's of pressure. Wow. That's a ton. That's Formula One pressure. That's a ton. Yes. It's a lot. It, it depends That's on which crazy. track in the world, but we can hit up to five to six G's. And at that point, like you physically can't fight that pressure. So that's when you'll see our feet, like once in a while, you'll see our toes come out and touch the ice to just like crank our sled in the right direction because we physically can't turn it that hard. Five Gs, that's like, that's five times like the weight of your head yep. with helmet. So you're like that's, got like an 80 pound head that's going down that heavy. Yeah, you have to set your head, you literally set your helmet on the ice. As you go down, really, like when you hit those G pressures, you can't hold it up. I've tried. Really, <laughs> I, was, I was out. Yeah, so you I just got rest concussion. your. You just oh, yeah. rest it on the ice. Yeah, if you don't rest it, it'll force it. That down does that does funky stuff fast. to your body, right? Like, yeah, I noticed like the guys when they're doing like in the F one cars, they'll pull like five Gs in some corners, and they say that when they get out and weigh themselves, it, their weight can alter up to ten pounds in a race just because I like the pressure does weird yeah. things to that's two yeah. hour race not a nine whatever yeah and ours is quick whatever, it's like but. and it depends on where you go into a corner or out of one so really our five to six g moments are just it's it's less than a second i mean it's like you hit it and then you're out of it so and you it's gotta up prepare go. for it yeah yeah you have to definitely prepare anticipate we watch video footage and like study it out and uh, there's a lot a lot more that goes into it like if you watch it on tv you're like oh, you're just laying there like you're not yeah. doing anything you're like a sack of potatoes but we actually do steer so how does a girl from where are you from you from, I'm from utah County? Utah. Yeah. yeah so how do you get into skeleton racing so i ran track and field in high school and then also in college um i did something called the heptathlon in track and field so i competed at utah valley university i can and also the university of utah but it's high jump, long jump, shot put, javelin, the 200 hurdles, or the 200, the 100 meter hurdles, and the 800. And then I also did discus and, and weight throw. But um, so they were recruiting track and field athletes to come up and try bobsledding when I was a junior in high school. And so I just went up and I didn't know what bobsledding was. Like I was thinking like cool runnings, you know, yeah, like yeah. the movie, right? Yeah. Have you guys seen that? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> so all I, my bobsled context <laughs> comes from that movie. See, see, I inspired Joy, right? right? Yeah. <laughs> so and I kissing the egg. Kiss the egg, kiss yeah. the lucky egg. So I went up and I tried bobsledding when I was about 16 years old and then just fell in love with bobsled. And then the following year I went up and they, they just switched me to skeleton and I started doing really well at it and didn't look back. But that's kind of like cool runnings. They go looking for people that can sprint. Yeah. And that's, yeah. So it's a true story. Is it uh scarier skeleton? I mean, it, like it stands to reason it would be scarier going head first than in a bobsled, but maybe it's not. Yeah. It's, it's kind of, it just depends because in a bobsled, when you crash, um, it's a big crash. When you crash in a bobsled, the bobsled can come down on top of you and then your head, uh, there was some, there's just, yeah, you can there's issues next. with everything. And there's four right? people. And right? there's four and people can, and yeah. it's crowded and you get stuck in a position and, and in skeleton, it can be extremely dangerous as well. You hit the roof of a, of a track and it's just you out in the open. And so you come, it's, it can be dangerous as well. So I've had some injuries doing that. Did I'm you ever crash? Yeah, <laughs> I've crashed a good a good share of times. Really, and a lot of emergency room visits just for like chipped wrists and like just little little micro things. Do you wear? Do you have like? Is it like mountain biking nowadays where you've got like this like under like layment of like 
padding and gear? I no. mean, they have a helmet on. No, we have a girl swimsuit from head to toe You're going 90 me. miles an hour. I know. Because you don't right? want the extra weight or you yeah, want the aerodynamics. aerodynamics. Yep. Aerodynamics. It's like a swimmer suit. It's, a, it's exactly. It's a swimmer yeah. suit. Yep. I, I was listening to this podcast the other day, uh, Dak Shepard's podcast. He was talking about Burt Reynolds. He loves Burt Reynolds. Back when like men were men, he was saying that he was a stunt man. Like he'd do his own stunts and all he would wear for padding is like a one mil wetsuit. He'd be like, he'd like jump off a building. He'd be like, get me my wetsuit, which is like, no, <laughs> pad, do but that's like you guys. Like, yeah, yeah I'll put a swimsuit on yeah. and then just deal with the ice at a hundred miles an hour. Yeah. During practice, like athletes will pad up the way we are really high tech. We'll get like volleyball padding and like put it on our elbows or something. Just in case. Yeah. Just in case or lacrosse padding on our shoulders. But when it's like game time, it's skin to win. The name is the term. Like really? skin to win. Yeah, you want to go as, as tight as possible. So do they, they start you a little later because your muscles are developed and you can run or what? Because like I feel like nowadays to be successful, like at that level, you have to like start when you're four and be homeschooled and have all these coaches. Yeah. You know. And we've, we kind of talked about that before at this podcast, just talking about how in like volleyball or softball, mm -hmm. you have to start so young and have all these different coaches for different reasons. And for Bob says skeleton, it's, it's more of a safety factor. So if you get on a skeleton sled and your neck muscles aren't developed. It's mostly for the neck um, and the head issues that could come with it. So 14 years old is what is the requirement here in the United States, but in like Austria, uh, our daughter tried it when she was six. So they so start like young. Other countries, <laughs> even if the rule is you have to be 12, don't they just like change birth certificates? Isn't that probably. like a thing? I, probably. I don't Let know. me tell you, it is. <laughs> okay. They're, they're, they're always cheating. <laughs> Let me tell you. Yeah. I've watched, <laughs> I've watched some Listen, things on I'm YouTube here to tell you <laughs> the they do. They yeah, do. It's yeah, like that's the, exactly you know, right. It's like the Russian gymnastics team. Yeah, yeah, have you seen Icarus? No. You guys seen that documentary? Mm -hmm. No. So this dude, like, he gets on. He's like a. He's like the highest level um, amateur biker before you go like pro. And so he did this documentary. He got on um, Lance Armstrong's blood doping diet from like the director of the Russian Olympic team. That's like Dr. Blood Doping Guy. And it like uncovered this. They withdrew for the Olympics at one point because everybody was on a blood doping program. Mm -hmm. So I don't, I'm not just making wild claims. I saw it on a thing. It's a thing. <laughs> you Do you ever have thing. any, yeah. uh, you know, controversial allegations in your skeleton? Oh uh, yeah. There, really? are, there always are. But for us, for us, there is the blood doping aspect of it, the, you know, drug doping thing. Um, and there have been athletes that have been pulled from the sport because of it. It's um, just the speed of the running, right? The running, yeah. And, and also what can calm your heart. You could take stuff where it calms uh, you down so that you're more relaxed on your sled and, I see. and not so as like stressed. Goosey. Yeah, uh-huh, yeah. So there are things that you could take, um, but for us, most of the time, the 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 line comes from doing things to your sled, doing things to your equipment, uh, putting stuff on your runner. They're called runners. They're not blades on our skeleton sled, but blades is more understandable to people. Yeah. But um, there's like uh, waxes and things that we're not allowed to put on or heat treatments that we're not allowed to do. So that's usually the route that people will go if they're going to be cheating. Does this sound like when you uh, when you got Rocco's car DQ'd from the Pinewood Derby tie? <laughs> Should we talk about that now or Listen, should we talk about that later? Let me just tell you, me and Rocco, when we do Pinewood Derby, that we, we win style points. We don't win speed points. <laughs> I can don't. I can compete on style. I'm not oh, going to get in there. Have, and I mean, shoot. I don't have any sons, but if I did, I would be all in on the cheating and the Pinewood. You just buy them from Amazon. I would be. I would just buy them from Amazon. All about the shims yeah, and be, motors. I'd be, I'd be <laughs> Googling, like, how do I doctor this thing? Yeah. So I'm sure that's like that's got to be yeah. like really heavily prevalent. Oh, yeah. It's a thing. What does a skeleton sled weigh? 
Uh, it depends. Girls have lighter weight sleds. It's it's about 65 pounds. 65, oh, so they're 65. heavy. It's so heavy. that comes it down on you and it's, it's like, sharp. I mean, That's dangerous. About, like, like it's I know dangerous. You, you're huge into F1, but it's like those guys are tinkering constantly. And constantly. Like always on the always. edge. So I'm sure it's And everybody's contesting everybody's yeah. vehicle all yeah. the time. Yeah. Oh, always. Protests left yeah. and right. Yeah, I yeah. got protested many, many times. Really? Oh, yeah, many times. Well, especially with your husband making, making your sled. Making my sled. Right? Yeah. I was Googling some terms. Terms, uh, before we started, and I think there were some sled terms. Here we go. I want to hear it. Are you familiar <laughs> with the with the Bodine uh-huh. uh, sled? Uh-huh. Was that? Did your husband model? Or was the no, there's so a langing, a langing, a langing. Oh, am I saying it wrong? So, so Bodine are all the bobsleds, all the U.S. bobsleds, yeah. and then we have our skeleton sleds. And yeah, my husband designed and built it, but we have this huge spec book, like this huge like specification book, and yeah. he had to pick it apart. What does your husband do? He is, that's a great question. Jansen, what do you do? Um, What's he, his name? Jansen. Jansen. <laughs> yeah. Jansen, his, the man his, who does it all. His background is in uh, technology management. So he has a background in solid works, like technology designing, 3D modeling on with steel fabricating oh, was, on the computer. Was meant to be. So he was yeah. like all over this. So he like, loved it. This. He loved it. And it was he such a good He saw her sled. first skeleton sled and he was like, what is this? <laughs> he did. He was like, what is oh my this gosh. garbage? He's like, you know? okay, we were going to do precision parts. Like uh-huh. he really did. Not he cool. fine tuned it and found, you know, it really is just about finding those 1% gains in everything that we do, whether it's from a speed suit to a helmet to our sled to our equipment, whatever it is that we're doing, if we can find just a tiny marginal gain, then it's going to add up. And then that's when we find these significant gains over time. And that's really what he started doing with, with my sled. And it was incredible to watch. The, uh, so for our listeners, you have a Ted talk. That's awesome. It's really cool. Like as I was watching it, I was like, you know, I, everything I watch, I'm like, that's so applicable to like the community that, that we're in of these, like people running sales teams and guys trying to get better. But you talk about kind of like the game of inches theory, right? Where yeah. it's like, it's not, it's just these little tiny advantages. And um, for those that haven't seen it, talk about the first competition that you were in and what made the big margin of, of difference. So that was very cryptic. Do you understand what I'm saying? So are you talking about like yeah, when I, when I with the thing? No, I was talking about the thing with the shoe and the thing. Oh gosh. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. My first, my but first tell about Olympic the competition. Too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So when I went to my first Olympic competition, it was in 2010 in Vancouver, Canada, and I felt ready. Like I was ready to take on the world, like literally speaking, right? Because you're at the Olympics. Uh, At the Olympics in 2010, I had just had Lacey, our first daughter. I missed her first birthday, her first words. This is like sacrifice of an Olympian, right? Oh, that's a big deal. Um, So I knew I was going to retire after these Olympics. I was... 26. So you've been doing it for 10 years. Yeah. 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 And a child though. Like that's. Yeah. But I, I knew I was done. Like after the going into the 2010 Olympics, I knew I wanted to retire before I even got there because of our daughter and my priority shifted. Life was getting in the way. Yeah. 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 And I just felt pulled. Like when I was at home, I felt like I should be competing. And when I was competing or training and I felt like I should be at home. So anyway, when I got to the Olympics in 2010, um, I felt like I had everything I needed, everything there, like my my training regimen was great. My mental ability was, I felt like I was in a good place pretty pretty much, except for missing being home. Uh, but I just remember after I competed, I crossed that finish line and I looked up at the, at the stand, like in the scoreboard and it showed a number four next to my name. Number four. If you're ever asked the question, what is the worst position you could ever finish in an Olympic games? 
It is not second. <laughs> it's not second. It is fourth place, like gold, silver, bronze, fourth place. And when I saw that, um, what I- was the time difference between you and third? Oh, a tenth of a second. A, a tenth. tenth. Oh, yes, I remember. So you can't even- Oh, like I remember. Da, da, yes. Da, da. No, no. No, no. Like you could try to blink 10 times in a second. You could try. I I can't. I still can't blink 10 times in a second, but it would it. be the difference. The camera's going to get it because I tried Go. it when you were saying it. Yeah. <laughs> You like it's really tough to do if you even could do it, and it'd be the difference from one blink to the next that, that I miss crazy. after going down a mile long track four times and adding up those times together. And I threw my hands in there and I said, "Oh darn it! Like I'm done. Like I'm retired. Like that was a great run, but I'm done." And uh, I I didn't even have the courage to go and watch my. It was so devastating. Like it's so devastating to work your whole life. You know, swimmers you get multiple chances to win a medal, or hockey you can shoot the puck multiple times to try and score, but with skeleton you miss one thing and it, there goes four years, like four, four years, years of your life, like one tiny little and error. Is it just one run or is it? Four runs. Four runs. And you, but you miss one little wall and, and it's the added time. So there goes your- So you don't is have it, one is that it you a, can throw out? No, you don't get to throw out uh, a time. So it's your cumulative time, four runs. Yes. Wow. I see, okay. And so you miss one little error out of so four times. So that your final run? Yeah, after my final run and I crossed the finish line in fourth, it took me forever to go back and watch my race. Did you, hold on, sorry to interrupt. Yeah, go for Did it. You, were you in the top three mm -hmm. after your first three runs? I was in fifth and the girl in third dropped down and then it opened up a spot for me. The girl in first actually dropped down and then it opened up a spot for me. So then I crossed the finish line and I was in third and then I had one more girl to go and she bumped me out. How did you feel like, I mean, it was the 10th of a second, I don't know, but did you feel like you like nailed it? Like, did you feel like I was really fast on that no, one? No, there were errors. There were errors, okay. but but it was pretty good. Like I even even when I came home with a medal in 2014, there were still things I could do better. You mm -hmm. know, and if I if I ever felt like there was no room for improvement, then then where are we? Like yeah. if we never feel like there's room for improvement, sure. then that's a tough place to be in. That's a tougher place than than to have lots of errors to be able to, to work go on. Go right? back and tweak. Yeah. So you look up and you see Yeah, I saw the fourth and I said, oh, there it is. And I remember going home just completely devastated, just so devastated. And for a couple months, like I couldn't even go back and watch my race because I was so frustrated. And um, finally I got up the courage to go back and watch my race. And when I turned it on and I started watching, I just like had to put my hands in my, in my face and just shake my head. I couldn't believe it. So I noticed after, you know, you work on your sled, you work on your equipment, you work on everything being precise for a hundredth of a second. Everything needs to add up. Every hundredth of a second counts. And I noticed that my shoelaces, so like when you tie your little, you know, the rabbit goes around the tree and the ear loops come out or whatever. The little loop part of my shoelaces were dragging the entire way down a mile long course. And when you add that up over four runs, we, we polish our runners, we polish our sleds. We know what would be a hundredth of a second and not. And I can guarantee that those dragging shoelaces was at least 0.25, you know, hundredths of a second on each run. So the accumulation would have been an Olympic medal, all just from these shoelaces dragging down the track. The I had way. the intention to challenge the science on that, but it Do seems it. like you've Do done it. it and you know. Because <laughs> I'm thinking about it, I'm polish. like, think about it. Like, mm -hmm. you've thought about it. Uh, we think about this, no, we're, we're, we're going to send it to sports science on ESPN. Do okay. it. Do but it. It's like, but it's like, I almost hear that and I'm like, no, we can't bad. do it. Yeah. But a hundred of a second, right? Mm -hmm. It's like zippers, like things, little things on our, oops, little things cause you, you'd be surprised. We take our sleds to wind tunnel testing. So like you'll 
put your body, you'll lay down on your sled and you have all this wind blasting at you and they have it on the computer and they can see where the red wind is coming through and where the green wind and they say, lower your head just half a centimeter. Oh, lift up your shoulder just a tiny bit. Okay, now, oh, no, you're losing some time here. And they they analyze every single thing we do. And so we can see, they actually do have the science to prove where you're losing the time and they can put in like, okay, if you're moving at this speed, they blow the wind for this length of time. It's just math. It's all math and science and physics and... Sure enough, that's now. So I got yeah, zippers. Sure, 2014. Zippers. I'm sure Ty's theory's right. I mean, it probably yeah, it can't the be loops right. probably no. didn't cause it. <laughs> yeah, no, it's got to be something. Let's keep looking. Let I me mean, see. Yeah. Based on everything Let you just told us, I'm siding from with the Ty. Guys, the loops definitely didn't. From the guys that started with, okay, is this feet first or head first? Like, no, nah, that can't be right. Look at the tape again. Um, you would have used the Bodine oh, sled. Shoot. So when you see that and you already thought of retiring, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. What goes through your head? Are you the type of competitive person that's like, okay, well, I got to go again? Well, you wa- yeah, or- you watched it, and were you, yeah, did that spark a, like, no, I have I, unfinished business? I had a different, like, when I, before I went into the Olympics, I already had a different plan in mind. So I saw my chapter in my book of my, this chapter of my life closing. And so when I got to that day when the Olympics took place in 2010, I just had already had it in my mind, this is done, I'm moving on, because we wanted to have more kids. So, and it's not super aerodynamic to be pregnant on a skeleton sled head first. So, um, how many hundredths of a second is that? Wait, do you want to we'll be heavy on a sled? Tunnel. Like, do you personally want to have more body mass or no? That's a great, so there's another science. Like, so is it better to be tall and heavy or short and light? And there's variances in both because I'm, I'm one of the biggest athletes in the world. I'm 5'10", 5'10". Yeah. And when I was competing, I was like 165. So, so I was big, I, like one of the biggest athletes, but then you have an Olympic medalist that'll come across and they're five one and weigh like 110 pounds maybe. So there's variances because then she's going to be lighter and more aerodynamic, but I'm going to be heavier and it's a gravity sport. Was that a so. thing with the time? Because remember when we were talking to Apollo, he was saying that, um, you remember he he got his legs massive. Yeah. And then they Doesn't were they have having the strongest right leg in the world. The best right leg. Oh, in the best world. Right. No, <laughs> the greatest. The greatest right. Yes. <laughs> Apollo, if you're you listening. need to splice that in there, Andrew. <laughs> uh, Apollo Ono, self-proclaimed greatest right leg. Couldn't in the world. even Uncontested, wear jeans. Uncontested, by the Couldn't way. Couldn't even wear jeans but, for but, a period of time. Uh, he said that there was a time, and I can't remember which Olympics that they started. The science kind of shifted, or the theory did, and then they were having these like lighter. Lean guys. Lean oh, guys. Yeah. And so then he was like, he got all big, and now they're like, oh, now Trim you got to be small. Yeah. You know. And it happens. And, and as we research and like other countries, so in the U.S., we tend to bulk up. That's like technically, like in at least with bobsled, skeleton, luge, like it seems to be that let's bulk up. Bul- bulkier is faster, like strong muscles. But then you look at like athletes from Latvia and Russia and they are trim, super, super trim, super flexible, but still really, really fast. Maybe so, 10 years younger. Who knows? And they, <laughs> who might knows? Be, they might, they be. might be 11. <laughs> they might be. <laughs> But yeah, it's, I think, and I think that it'll continue to adapt and continue to change and evolve as we figure out more and more, um, whether it's through technology or through research and development, whatever it might be. So you get this, you're a hundredth of a second. And the question was, you felt like you were done, Yeah. but then you did a spoiler alert and say you got a medal later. So yeah, spoiler alert. What happened? So, so two years after I retired, um, I had, we had our little baby boy Trace in a year later, actually after Vancouver. And then I was pregnant with our third child and at 18 weeks, her heart just stopped beating. And so it was really devastating, like absolutely devastating. And I didn't know 
how to move on. I didn't know how to move forward. 18 weeks is halfway. Yeah. 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 And it's happened. I've had it multiple times. I've had it happen three times now. So it's just devastating. And doctors haven't had answers or any kind of solution. They've done all kinds of tests. And I'm just kind of like that one in a million where they can't figure it out. Um, But during that one, I just remember not knowing how to move forward because I knew I wanted to have more kids, but I wasn't ready. I wasn't ready to go back into that quite yet. And so my husband, he knew he knew that I still loved competing and he knew I was still good at it, that I could, I could be, but given the circumstances of being away from our daughter and being away from him, I hated airports. Like, I can't even tell you, like I hated airports because it just meant a time to say goodbye. Like I was traveling all the time when I was leaving my daughter and my husband and it was, it just meant a time to be, be alone. It, that's what airports like was the significance of them. Do you me. heard uh, Chris Kyle, the American sniper guy in his book, he talks about how seals always leave at night. Oh. Like, They'll leave when their kids, because the the, it's the so good, hard. They, yeah, like they're it's too like, much. Yeah, they just can't do it. It makes sense. Yeah, and I can yeah. see why. I can totally see why. And I just got so tired of it. And so after the miscarriage, my husband knew I still loved competing. Like I was, and I was still, I I still could. I just didn't want to. I didn't want to leave him. And so he turned to me after having this mis- miscarriage, and he just said, "You know what?" And I and he he wanted to design <laughs> and build another sled. I think you know. So I think there's a little in for him there. But he wanted to tinker. Um, he wanted to tinker. Uh, but he, I just remember him saying, you know what, Noel, you still, I know you still love competing and you're still really good at it. So what if you go back to compete? And he, I immediately, I'm like, absolutely not. Like, no way. There's no way I'm going, I'm leaving. There's no way. And especially in the state I was in, I'm like, there's no way. He said, no, 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 no. What if we could do it as a family? Like, what if, what if we go with the two kids and I'll quit my job? Like, this was like a big deal. Like, he's like, I'm going to quit my job and I'm going to travel around and we're going to just travel until the Olympics for the next two years in and out of hotels. We'll figure it out. And I said, how would we afford that? He's like, don't worry about money. Just what, is this what you could consider doing? And I was like, well, that would be like heavenly. Like, that'd be amazing. Absolutely. And he's like, okay, how about you work on what you need to do to get back into competitive mode? And I work on everything else. Like I'll take care of the kids and I'll take care of uh, the finances. I'll figure out how to fundraise. Don't worry about any of that. But you just, you just start focusing on this. And it was so, it was so incredible to just like open up this other chapter and take a break from this devastation that we had just experienced and to move forward. Um, It was, it was incredible. And, And sure enough, he did. He was able to out and fundraise and we had some amazing miracles happen, um, donations and just things took place that are unexplainable, but it happened. And so he, he developed another sled. We went on, we traveled in and out of hotels for two years from country to country. Um, it was, it was incredible, like an experience unlike any other. And, and it led us all the way to Russia. To the yeah, I know, I know we're so telling you, your story, but this Jansen guy sounds like a winner. Jansen, the sleigh master. I'll just he make is. the sleigh, raise the he, kids, he figure did. out the money. You do you, babe. This guy is a hero. <laughs> he is. He should be on here. Jansen's yeah. making every husband look. Slow terrible. down, Jansen. Relax. Jansen. I can barely watch the kids for two yeah. hours when oh. my wife goes yeah. to a birthday Relax, party. Relax, bud. On the just... Um, yeah no he sounds amazing but um yeah so he came the way i heard the story was jansen was cooking up some ideas in the old sleigh room yeah came to you you and was like babe we got some unfinished business we've got some unfinished business it's like a batman and what's his little (laughs) homie's name it's like his butler guy it's all these like amazing toys made that's totally or it's like she's james bond and he Hey, He's I like the guy that. that, you know, <laughs> Fix it makes all the cool yeah. cars and stuff, you know, <laughs> anyways, that's awesome. So, yeah. so the first Olympics was 2010. Mm-hmm. 
you skip the 2014. No, no, I just skipped two years in between 2010 and 2014 and then competed in 2014. So we traveled oh, from 2012 okay. to 2014. Okay. Is there yeah. like a circuit? Is there like a, like yeah. a skeleton circuit? You, minimum, you have to qualify, you you have to to qualify two years before. So we were at our deadline. That's why oh, like, wow. so when I had the miscarriage in the, it was, it was, was like early summer of 2012. So I had basically had like four months to get in Olympic shape after being mm. pregnant. Did you, get, did you get criticism? Wait, hold on, that? hold like, on. She said, I had a couple months to get in Olympic shape. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's not that many people. Do you have that, the strong, best right leg in the world. Yeah, she, I mean, I know when I'm in Olympic shape, yeah. you know, what I look like. And, it takes longer than a couple months. Yeah, she did point at me saying tall and heavy. By the way, <laughs> which I'm not. slightly offended what? by, but I'm going to let it slide. So let you, it slide. You said you got criticism then. Cause I, I can imagine yeah. a lot of people being like, Hey, you just, you know, had this tragic thing, like yeah. slow down or maybe your husband, like, why are you pushing this? Did yeah. you guys get some of that? Yeah, we did. And I think, um, I remember getting letters and this is like the, this is on the very far end of the spectrum because the majority of what we received was all support, but there were those naysayers that would say, how could you do that? How could you put your life at risk when you have two kids? And how could you be a working mom? Even just things like that. Like how could you letters? be a working? Yeah, I would receive letters. Get but life. Like I said, Karen's. those are the farms. Karen's, <laughs> Karen's man. The far, the far and few betweens, but the mo the majority were very, very supportive and it, just extremely on board and and um, just the best, the best of friends, the best of neighbors, the best of the community. And you guys seen uh, King Richard? Have you seen no, that yet? Yeah, it's incredible. It. Remember that, like when you watch this, the okay. new you know Will Smith movie yeah, about yeah. Serena and Venus Williams. But uh, they had this neighbor across the street that always had an opinion on oh, like yeah. how hard he was driving the girls. Oh, it's yeah. like, who sends a letter yeah. to a stranger telling them that they think so this weird. decision is wrong for yeah. their family? Yeah, it's just it so weird. So you got into shape. You you did this family Olympic adventure. Shape. Olympic shape. <laughs> what was 2014? Where was that? <laughs> Russia. Oh, that was Russia. Yeah, that was Sochi, Russia. Sochi. It was incredible. Which was a whole thing. A so, whole thing. Well, I need a t we need a quick time. Uh, laps on this, this so whole Olympic shape thing is getting so hold on. <laughs> you 2010, you retire, you have a kid right after, yeah. mm -hmm. then you're pregnant with another one. So, two, 2008, I had a girl, so I should rewind one step further. So, 2006, I was going to go to the Olympics, I got yeah. hit by a bobsled. Oh, I thought that was oh, yeah, let's hear that story. Broke, broke my leg, so I missed on, the 2006. Hold on. Tell games. us the timeline, then we'll go back to that. Okay, so 2006, I was first in the world and going to the Olympics, and then got hit by a bobsled, broke my leg. I took a year off and in 2007-8 season to have Lacey. I went back to compete. I finished fourth in the 2010 Olympic Games. Okay. And then I retired. That shoelaces, yep. Mm -hmm. And then I retired after 2010 until 2012. So for two years. And that was when I had our boy in 2011 and then a miscarriage in 2012. And then you had to qualify within like six months. Yes. Yeah. You. I had to be able to compete that October of 2012. And I had the miscarriage that early and summer. Uh, unbeknownst to you, Jansen had been working on this sled. <laughs> he, he was not. In the, out in the tough. Shed in the backyard. Him, no, he he started it. Actually, he had a new admium alloy uh -huh. <laughs> carbon night. Uh -huh. Oh, I like composite. He was trying to get yeah. back in the game on his own. Oh, man. Oh. So all right. So <laughs> then like, I you. Need an athlete. So then you. Um, so then you decided you're going to do it again, yeah. and then you get back in shape, and then you yep. compete in 2014. Yeah, got, got back in shape. Did right. Olympic trial or the try? I did our <clears> team trials in the fall of 2012, and 
I came back faster than I even was when I was running division one track and field. So that's um, awesome. Yeah. Is Let's it because go. you just had like a, like a mission, the family? There? I like, think so. How old were you at Purpose. that point? Too. Yeah. Uh, when I came back 2012, oh my goodness, you're gonna make me do the age thing. Let's see. I just turned 39. So what does that make it? I don't know. 2012, uh, yeah, maybe like 20. I actually so. think so. A lot of um, professional athletes peak from age like 26 to 30. Mm -hmm. So that's maybe like probably. your physical yeah. peak. And Do you purpose. think like your mind locks into your body probably then yeah. too, right? Mm -hmm. Like you're more mature, like you view it different, you're smarter. Mm -hmm. God, I think. Yeah. I think so, so I wanna go back to the broken leg thing. You're standing on a track, just, you know, minding your own business. Yeah, minding my own business. And what happened? What happened? My goodness. Um, so it was during our, it was during our Olympic trials going into 2006 into Trino, Italy. And at this point, you'd been training for how long? So at this point, I had been competing for about five years, about four, okay. four and a half years. Everything's leading up to this moment. Everything's leading up to this. And um, I I rose to the top really quickly for what athletes typically do. Usually it takes like 10 to 15 years to hit peak in skeleton in a sport like this. And within three years, I was ranked first world. So, wow. um, it just came, it just clicked with yeah. me. Like I could just, I could see it. I could favorite. feel it like, I, yeah. Yeah. So going into 2006, I was the favorite to bring home an, an Olympic gold medal and had our Olympic trials, even though I was ranked first, I still had to try out for the team. And I had just finished a training run, got down the track, waiting for a, a truck to come and back up to the track to get us athletes onto the back of this truck and to take us back up to the top of the mountain. And as I was sitting there waiting with four of my teammates for another girl to come down on her skeleton sled. They sent down a bobsled and the brakeman had never been in a bobsled before. So he didn't know he was supposed to pull the brakes. And he Listen, came, hold on. they came. <laughs> I've never been in a bobsled either. <laughs> but if I was the brakeman <laughs> and I noticed the sled going faster and faster and faster, he didn't know, he didn't know where the finish line was. So he didn't know. He, they said, just stay down, stay tucked. He just thought he was going to go till he hit the tires. So they he like, probably you know thought, yeah. yeah. They like duct taped it. <laughs> yeah. They do that. Is there tires at the end? There's usually like padding a, or like something. A, yeah. Hopefully not tires. That would what like does a bobsled weigh? <laughs> 1,500 pounds. Depends on what, if it's a two-man or four-man. It's like man. two so, motorcycles. <laughs> Thank you. This past really winter, heavy. I had my daughter. We were up in a snowbird at the little alpine slide. Oh, yeah, yeah. And um, I thought it would be funny to uh, just like gently like you know, like when my daughter, she went down first and I came down and like kind of Nudge. gently, like kind of like she was getting, she was there. And Which I just daughter, kinda, uh, June, mm. my middle kind of like rear ended her sled a little bit. Well, they like had a meltdown. Like mm. they pulled me out. They made a stay up there until like oh, the, the paramedics the, the, came up. The Alpine people did a did, full the... concussion protocol test <laughs> on me, her, everybody. Like, and I was just like, what is happening right now? Like, you know, so I'm just like imagining, um, you know, that a full on bob and an actual bobsled. Just it's probably a little different than that time at the Alpine side with your. Daughter. I think it's probably pretty, pretty similar. Time. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so the bobsled just yeah. So it flew out of the end of the track. It just but came flying out of the a, end. A skeleton. a skeleton sled that would slow down and stop where we were, but it came at us probably about sixty to seventy miles an hour is what was estimated, and I was in the back of like my teammates. So when we all tried to jump up, when we noticed this bobsled coming, we jumped up to get out of the way of this oncoming bobsled. We were at a finishing dock that was at the end of the track. So the track ended. Yeah, so you weren't standing on and, the No, track. we weren't in the ice. We were on the ice. It was an actual finishing dock where mm. the where the truck would back into it. 
It was poor logistics for sure, because the dock was like at the end of the track yeah. instead of off to the side. There okay. were many things that, that kind of, it was like the Titanic. But anyway, so this bobsled came flying up the track. And when I jumped or when I stood up to get out of the way, my four teammates were in front of me, so I couldn't go anywhere. And there was a staircase to my back, so I couldn't jump like bell out of the way. So I had to take one step to jump out of the way. And when I planted my right foot, it, the bobsled hit me Gosh. from behind. So broke what bones I sustained a, it was a compound. So open, like my bones came out of my, of my right leg, my, my shin bones, both of them came out of my leg. So it was pretty rough. It was pretty bad. Yeah, That's like as oh. bad as it. Yeah. What? Yeah. <laughs> and it, I mean, my heel was touching my calf in case you didn't have that visual. I just want to make sure you can see it. <laughs> it's very bad. I just yeah. remember seeing my heel touching my calf and they're like, it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. I'm like, it's not it okay. just folded in half. It just folded in half. Yeah. I can't imagine. Yeah. I still have a titanium rod in my leg and yeah, I was going to ask, did they do stuff. the whole like thing where they, when they sewed it back together, you had that like external hold you in place. No, like, I didn't have thing. to do like the external thing. It's all internal, like just a rod down my, the center of my bone. And then they did screws in the side and, um, but I missed those Olympics. So I missed it. I had to watch my teammates competing. I had to watch everybody going to the, we, and my family. We all like, if you think of the Olympics, you have to buy tickets like a year in advance. You have to get your hotels and everything. So my parents, my siblings, like everybody already had their flights. So we ended up flying over there to Torino, to Torino Italy. And, um, we had to just sit there and watch as my teammates competed on this I mean, little parents, tiny screen. Everyone just crushed. Oh, it was rough. You I, you I came back to lost compete, your leg so. though, right? Like, yeah. I mean, oh yeah. It was crazy. Like I, I came back to compete. I could have lost my leg. I could have been so much more injured than I was, but, um, I came back to compete five weeks later, which was crazy. I know crazy. Uh, five weeks later, did I was back on my sled. About that that <laughs> seems fast. <laughs> I did. Um, but five weeks later I came back to compete up in park city, but then on, well, on week six, I was in Austria competing on a world cup. I finished 19th in that race, then flew to Latvia and finished eighth in that one, then went to Germany and finished fifth in Same the world five weeks, right? Yeah. It was crazy. I feel Jansen like if you, I, feel like if you <laughs> I, so I got in this, I got in this mountain biking crash like a year Here and a half go. ago. Here we go. And it was, it was literally <laughs> like, I tried this jump. I went off the backside and I kind of tipped over. It didn't even hurt at the moment. And then like a couple of days later, it started to hurt and it still bugs me. Oh. You're talking about your heel hitting the back of your head or whatever. <laughs> And five weeks later, running on it and put, yeah. like, that's incredible. Well, it, in skeleton, it's a blessing that, because we bend over when we run, there's no way I could stand and run at that point. But I, I just learned to put all of my weight on my arms so you and push I just pushed with my sled. Yeah. So I was limping, like I was really gimpy, but I figured if I could just get on my sled, I, I'm a pretty good driver. I'm a decent, like I can steer my sled down the track pretty well enough Seriously? to catch wow. up to people. That's so. crazy. That's ill-advised, Noel. Ill yeah, ask your doctor for any medical advice. Don't yeah. take my word for it. I thought that <laughs> happened after that Olympics. So. Yeah, that was the first. Man, you've just had Olympic hopes just dashed to pieces multiple times. So yeah. that and then the freaking fourth. Thank you. Freaking fourth. Yeah, dang it. Next time I'm complaining about anything, right? <laughs> I'm thinking about just getting whacked in the legs with a sled. Yeah. Going like eight years trying to get that medal. Yeah, well, that's the long. craziest part about the Olympic. And I know yours isn't the only story like that. There's a lot of stories, yeah. right, that are not to diminish your overall story. But it's like, I think that's part of what makes the Olympics so incredible is you have so many stories where people have trained their whole lives or like for years and then like at the Olympic trials, they get hurt yeah. or like or they something get sick happens. or, or something. Or they stub like, a toe. Or the yeah. last one is where yeah. they like somebody 
test positive, positive for COVID oh and they gosh, feel Sam fine. Kendricks, I feel so bad like for they you. They feel fine and they <laughs> test positive off. for COVID yes. and you're like, this is so your dumb, whole you know? and it's, dream. Yep. All based on um, that. It's heartbreaking. And I think you hit it right on the head though. Just saying that's what the Olympics are about. I really truly believe it's about resilience and about fortitude and about overcoming and setback after setback. And I love um, quotes where it talks about how, you know, success isn't the opposite of failure. It's a part of it. And it's a failure upon failure upon failure upon failure upon failure equals success. And if we think of it that way, where it's just really being an Olympian is really all about can, how many times can you get knocked down and, and continue to get back up and just strive to be 1% better each and every day. That's what being an Olympian is about. It's not about showing up on race day and being, um, you know, massively improved today than I was yesterday. It's just about these tiny little baby steps. And can you endure to the end? Is it 1% better, 1% better, 1% better? Oh, I stepped back 5%. Now it's going to take me a few more days to get there, a few more weeks, a few more months. But are you willing to put in the work? I wish there's a way to start with that mentality, right? Because you, ha you have to learn that through failing. But I was watching Sean White, you know, he's competing or he's trying to qualify for Olympics again. And uh, he's up in Copper Mountain. And I watched his Instagram stories where it's like feeling good, feeling good, feeling good. And the last day is like, well, two more chance. He didn't qualify two more chances to qualify. And it's like, it's more, we were just did another one with a pro baseball player earlier today where he was talking about, he was talking about all these failures he had in his really good career. But it's like, of course, like when you're competing at that level, mm -hmm. of course, these are the best in the world. So of course you're going to lose more than you win. Yeah. But it's weird. Cause like mentally, sometimes we expect, Oh, I'll just get a medal, mm -hmm. but it's hard with your first one. Cause you actually were positioned. And then this errant bobsled. Yeah. Out comes. of your control. And it makes me want to say the F word. And sometimes <laughs> uh, do, did the times, um, from the Oh six, the time that took first, second or third, were you beating those times before? So going into the 2006 games, I finished in the final world cup going into the games. I was fifth in the world but I was still told I couldn't compete in the Olympics because I missed two races due to recovery from my injury. They didn't have like a waiver rule back then. They do now for injuries such as what I had, you know? Oh, but so hold on. So you <clears throat> got injured during a qualifier. It was, yes. You came back. You actually, at the time the Olympics started, you were I was fifth in, position. in the world, mm -hmm. but because of the because protocol I missed, yes, or whatever. Yes they DQ'd you. So that's what was really hard because I was that's actually- That's why you pushed to come back so yes, soon, right? that's why I pushed to come back so soon because oh, if I hadn't- more sense. If yeah. I hadn't, If I hadn't been at that race, that first race at my six-week mark in Austria, there would be zero chance of me uh, making it to the 2006 Olympics. So I just had to put in and do whatever it took to get there. Yeah, So Tape I, Yeah, so and I had to go compete Walk in Austria. Six, just taped it up. <laughs> so just taped it up. Yep. It was actually stapled up, but that's okay. Yeah. So jumping around in the story, <laughs> you then we go to 14, Jansen Design Works yeah. sled, three kids in tow. Two, two, two and then one two miscarriage. Kids with the miscarriage, yep. yes. Doing it as a family, feeling good, running yep. fast. Yeah, running fast. How was the Olympics in Sochi? Fast. It was incredible. All time fast. So, what are, yeah, what was the result of that? Oh, it was so cool. It was so fun. It was just like the experience to have the kids going around and we'd be with the team. So, we travel with the bobsledders, skeleton and bobsled. We travel together. Are the bobsledders a rowdy bunch? 
They can be. They can yeah, be. They're a bunch just of bruisers. They're good. They're yeah. good people. And it's just so fun. And it, they loved with being with the kids. Like it just lightened up everybody's mood on because mm. we're all used to just traveling and being pretty serious about competitions and like pulling on the kids and the family into the scene. Now it's we're celebrating Lacey's birthday that night. Her birthday's January, and the next day we all have a World Cup. And the bobsled athletes are like buying her little presents, and she was so excited. She turned six. What there a cool picture, just, though. This is so your cool. sixth birthday, and there's all these birthday. Yeah. Dudes and they'd like put her on, they, she'd That's like so be cool. on their shoulders. Yeah. And anyway, it was just really a what really a cool great thing. experience. Yeah, it was really So how cool. did the racing go? The race in Sochi, Russia was awesome. Um, and the races leading up to it were really cool. I, I had, so, it was such a terrific season and I really, I can't take credit. It was so many people helped make it possible, you know, and I think that's something about any athlete. I hope every athlete recognizes it, but we might be the ones in front of the camera, but it takes a whole slew of people to make it possible for us to give our best, you know, whether it's from the equipment we use, um, from the, from the uniforms that we have to, um, that my coaches would film us. So we'd get to go back and like watch video and I couldn't improve without that. And so when we got to the Olympics and I just remember standing there at the starting line, just with a heart full of gratitude to everybody that had helped get me there, just from yeah. my husband and building my sled to my kids, to my parents, to community, country, you know, doctors, doc coaches, everybody. And as I went down the track in and out of corners, after, this was on my fourth and final run in and out of corners, crossing that finish line, I honestly didn't know how I did because, you know, you, I lost an Olympic medal by a 10th of a second. And when you cross sure. that finish line, you can't see it. You don't know if it's a 10th of a second, if you're ahead or behind. And I remember straining my head to reach that finish line and hurrying and putting my hands on my sled to lift my body off the sled to look for my time. And I didn't see the time, but I saw my coach come into the track at the very end and he threw his arms in the air. And that was like it. Like I knew, <sighs> I knew, so cool. I didn't even know how it was. I just knew it was enough and I couldn't stop fast enough. We don't have brakes on a skeleton sled, which is insane. But I remember just like jumping off my sled and and rushing and giving him a big hug. And then the volunteers in Russia were like, you need to go this way, you need to go this way, you need to go be interviewed by like, you know, USA Today, Getty Images, NBC Sports, you need to go over here. And I'm like, no, 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 I need to be in the stands with my family. And oh, wow. I jumped off of the off of the track and jumped up into the railings into the stand because the, the stairs were just filled with people, like filled with camera crews and filled with spectators. And I remember thinking, how do I get up there? I just want to be with them. And and I remember jumping off and jumping up and grabbing onto the railing and just climbing up and over the railing and just embracing my husband. And all I could say was, we did it. We did it. So and cool. It was just so cool. It was like, what an amazing, that was the best. That was so good. It's so cool <laughs> that like, and you have the, the, the like story where he kind of encouraged you to do that. And then yeah. the team came together and the time was right. And you it know was, what I mean? It like was you, you picture earned perfect. that one. Yeah. It was picture perfect. It was awesome. Um, did you switch to Velcro? <laughs> I switched to zippers. Oh, I got zippers on my shoes. Zippers that kept all those laces inside. <laughs> and that was a second place medal? Yeah, that was that silver. Time. Yep. Silver. So wait, you go down the track. As you're standing at the top, did you know, like once, if you, you knew if you finished in the top three, that was it. There was no one coming behind you. Oh, yes. Or were, there, you knew. were there were more riders coming behind you? I knew there was one less. The yeah, there was only one oh, last. So once you hit second, you were assured of the a podium. medal. Yep. Got it. Okay. So you're staying on the track and you're like, if I take second, I have a medal. Yeah. If I take third, I could get knocked out still. Yeah. So I knew when I crossed the finish line for that fourth and final run, I knew the worst I could do was second was a silver medal. So, and for me, honestly, like going into it, every, every athlete is different. Everybody's different. But I think as 
once, if, if we're able to define success for ourselves before we go into endeavor to do any goal or anything in our lives, if we can define that success for ourselves, we're, once we reach it, we'll know when we're there. So we'll be able to celebrate on our own. Whether, do, do, it doesn't matter as it's regardless of what other people think success is, because I know going into the Olympics, everybody says, you're going for gold. You're going for gold. It's gold or nothing, right? What are you going to do when you bring home the gold? And when I take, when I took a silver, a lot of people saw that as a failure, right? They see that as you know, you, you didn't win the silver, you lost the gold. And you've, we've all seen athletes that punch walls and throw down helmets when they take home a silver. And for me, I already knew going into it that that wasn't how I defined success. My success wasn't dependent on the color of my medal. It was dependent on my effort and how well I could do and, and on that given day. And, the, and, it, and it was a journey. It wasn't just about that given day. It was everything that went into it before that moment in time. So I couldn't, it wasn't fair to myself to be upset at myself for not giving maybe what I could have given tomorrow or yesterday, but I gave my best today and that was a silver medal. And so being able to just celebrate it was, it was perfect. It's crazy though, because that's your reality of going to, how many Olympics have you been to as a, you know, contestant or just being there? How many? Yeah, three, three, Mm -hmm. four, actually. Yeah, four. So four. So it's like, ah, like someone that's like, oh, silver gold. It's like, you've been to four Olympics, like with like, backstage access and you've worked to get there and you've seen the world and you had your family there. And it's like, it's funny, whoever would say like, we, we interviewed a guy once that got beat up in an MMA fight. And he's like, you know, who didn't make fun of me? Anybody that's fought MMA, everybody that has never fought had a lot of things to say about it. And so it's like, when I think about that, it's like, one, how dare anybody else define success? Because you were mm-hmm. there. I've never been there. I've never been to a single Olympic event. You've been to four, mm-hmm. right? Like, and then you had a chance to represent your country, to bring home a medal, to compete. I mean, what an amazing success, yeah. so cool. you know? Yeah, thank you. I want to really cool. hear, um, just go back real quick to that silver medal run. So you're at the top of the track. Mm-hmm. You've done three runs already. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know how, like... I know some, some athletes like they'll get like super hyped or whatever. Others are like trying to calm themselves down. Yeah. Like what's going through your head as you're standing. And and also great. how long did you have to stand there until they were like three, two, one go yeah, kind of yeah, thing. Yeah. Like, That's are you great. up there? Are you up there for minutes between runs and you're just like sitting there, like trying to calm your nerves? Like, how are you like, yeah. what's your mental prep before you just like explode out of the game? Yeah, for there? sure. That's a, those are great questions. So we have about an hour and a half in between from one run to the other. So it's Ooh. really hard to yes. stay warmed up. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Uh-huh. It'd for be sure. all cold when you get back. Yeah. Out get there. really cold. And it's, and talk about cold. It's freezing cold in our sport. And we were in your swimsuit. little swimsuit. And, yeah. So we have a warming house is what it's called. It's just like a warm up area. It's like indoors and with benches Mm -hmm. and you're all like, like elbow to elbow with other athletes from other countries. So it's not the most conducive for mindset. If you want to get in your, in your place, you know, you're just headphones on headphones on hunkered down. Yeah. That's usually what you do. Um, and for me, like I, I would try to pay attention to my heart rate all the time. So sometimes if my heart was feeling really fast and I was feeling kind of anxiety coming on, then I listen to Enya or like something really calming and smoothing, you know, soothing. Um, and if I feel like I'm like really tired and yawning, then I start listening to like, you know, I, I like like fancy light or like doing like some kind of dancing or something like that. Um, What's the, your, the, the Russians and the Koreans <laughs> are trying to be calm and you got Noel <laughs> five ten dancing. dancing around in the little warming <laughs> house. Your go-to Country hype music. song. 
Yeah. Yeah. I like, like One Republic is, I just was thinking about this the other day. I'm like, like fancy, like would be on my playlist for yeah. sure. It'd be like, and doing the dances with it, being outside <laughs> and like doing it all, you know, um, that's where I like to be. I like to be having fun and talking to, to people to be light. Yeah. I like to know that there's a bigger purpose that regardless of what happens today, I can still be a good person and human being in between whatever it is that we're doing. And, and so for me, I like to stand up at the starting line and wave to little, like wave to fans and stuff. Yeah. And, and then when that green light goes on, like it is all focus, like hundred percent focus, like everything zones out. I don't see spectators. I don't see flags being waved or cameras going off. It's, it's a really cool feeling. And I couldn't always do that. But once I got to the peak of my, of like my athletic ability, I was able to just tune it like, and I could turn it on and turn it off. And so then once green light went off, I'd have 30 seconds to set my sled down on the ice. And I always set three goals for myself every single day. Um, I have like a goal journal um, book, just like a notebook from, you know, Walmart or something, but just a notepad. And I'd write down three goals. And then after every single day, I'd reflect, take time to reflect back and say, how did I do? What can I do better? And what am I going to work on tomorrow? What am I going to The goals for the day or the goals for the run or things you need to focus goals on for, or what? The goals for the, for the run, for every run that I did. So what would be an example? So very specific. So, um, instead of focusing on my downtime, like I, or beating somebody that may have been what I did when I was a rookie, like when I was young. Yeah. As an athlete, I'd be like, I just want to beat that person, or the I want to get this time. You always want to beat the time. <laughs> who was your? We asked Apollo uh, this too. Who did you hate? Was his for Koreans? The Koreans. The Koreans you hated? No, the no, not for us. I could just see <laughs> he, so he, Apollo. He his. Him, but that was the real answer. Uh, that was, okay. Yeah. As you say, Apollo seemed to go yeah. neck and neck with them all the time. Yeah. Um, who are your rivals? Us, we didn't say you. For who us, you hate. Just, it was always the the British team or the Germans. Mm. Um, but we're we're good friends with the Germans on and off the track and the. British is hit and miss. So okay. <laughs> bad year for the Brits that 2006, right? Yeah. So that's some irony. They're friends with the Germans. Yeah. Who? Germans. Not with the British. <laughs> so now, who's friends with them? World War II is a little bad. I'm not going to explain the joke. Okay. Right. I, I caught it. I I'll caught catch it, it on the, on the recap. Back. Edit that out, Andrew. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. 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 So what goes through, what goes on right before a race? Um, I like to write down three specific goals. So some examples of some specific goals might be, uh, look three inches to the right, going into corner one. The second goal might be check my aerodynamics coming out of corner six, uh, meaning that I want to keep my head low, my arms in nice and tight, my feet together, my toes pointed. And maybe another one would be, um, steer down, up, down in corner 10 and watch the timing on it. So I'd like three very specific. So I wasn't focused on my time. I wasn't focused on beating anybody. I wasn't focused on a place because I knew if I could be, as my coach, my coach would always say, if we could just be process oriented and results driven, mm. it's going to make everything possible. So if, if we could just that. process, can, what was or it? Process, process oriented and results driven. driven. Yeah. So if we could focus on, you know, have that result of being a podium and seeing that in place, but then focus on the process that it takes to get the there, it's going to happen step by step. So if I could focus on that corner one, corner six, and then corner 10, the results are going to come. If I could yeah. just fix Not these Not focusing steps. on, oh, I have to beat this yeah. person. It has nothing to do with that. Podium. Yeah. It's Small improvements. Um, yeah. The thing I was thinking when you were talking about your personality on, you know, when you go up there, like you're, you're waving to fans and stuff. Yeah. Um, it's, it's funny to think about that because as a fan, not a competitor, like I look at the people that I like to watch in sports and in racing and things like that. And it's like, I like people with personality and it makes it so I can get behind them a lot more. And that probably comes all the way around because you get different energy back from the people and the stuff. But it probably, if you got 30 seconds to set your sled down, 
that could probably feel like an eternity if you're all like, dung, dung, yeah. dung, 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 right? But if you're like, <laughs> if you're like, hi, hi, okay, and now I'm going to race, it's yeah. probably the welcome distraction that gets you to like jump out of the plane. For me, it was. You know? Yeah, for me, it was. And, and for me, part of the reason I really liked the interaction with the crowd before I would go is it it brought me back to my purpose, like my own personal purpose of that there's more to life than just a competition. Like this is something that I do and I love doing it and I'm going to give my absolute best at it. But if I fail here, if I mess up, if I crash, if I don't succeed in the way that I'm hoping to succeed, it's okay. Life goes on. And I think for many where they put this as the end all, like I am going to get that Olympic medal and then I have no plans for my life because that's going to be the peak and that's going to be the ultimate, you know, whatever it is. That's when I think there's going to be troubles. And that's when, I mean, I've seen it happen when it, when athletes will fall into depression or, you know, lifeless, like purposeless life and things like that. And Maybe having happen. the kids there help with that, for right? Sure. Because Absolutely. you were like, I still got to make sure the, yep. the the kids get dinner. And you're thinking, did yep. like, did like your daughter get her like, little protein drink because I'm sure it's been two hours. <laughs> I wonder if be Jansen's, really whiny. I wonder if Jansen's fed the kids. See, and I did. A couple of hours. But it takes you, it's that, that welcome distraction of yeah. just saying, okay, like there's more to yeah, life no, than great. this. And, so it's and it may be like it, that mentality might make you faster, mm -hmm. right? Cause yeah. same thing with like trying to be fluid. It's like, if, at least me personally, like if I'm in a competition and I'm really intense, it's like, oh, I'm slow. Tight. Like, yeah. yeah, I got to loosen up and have fun. And then naturally, mm -hmm. Like your instinct takes over yeah. and you perform and kind of getting out of your own way. Yeah, you know? absolutely. So what happens after 14? So then after 2014, well, actually just like a couple weeks before we went into 2014, I could already feel like the end coming. I knew, I knew at this point, but this for was real, it. for real, like for time. real, real, but for like real, for real, for real, <laughs> right? <laughs> um, I knew for real that this was like it. And so two weeks before, like while we were in Russia, like while we were there, before I competed, I remember turning to Jansen and just saying, hey, this is it. Like, what's next? Like, I can already feel this like depressive, like ending of this book because it's been 15 year journey. Now what, you know? And um, that's when we decided to create a bucket list. So we made a bucket list together and we just said, okay, we're just sitting here. I still remember like we rented this house in Russia. I didn't stay at the Olympic Village my second time around. I just, I was happier with my kids making dinner. And then I'd be like, hey, I got to go to the Olympics. You know, like <laughs> that was just like better See for you me. See later tonight, honey. <laughs> I got to go compete. <laughs> that really was. I'll be like, at the Olympics. Pretty much it. If you need me. <laughs> um, but I remember just sitting there in this house and saying, okay, What's everything that we want to do, to be, see, have, learn, read? Like just, we started making this massive bucket list and we're still adding to it, but- Give one me of, some, give me some items. Okay, so like, um, so one of them is I wanted to write a book. So the day that I flew home from, from Russia and we flew straight to New York City to do some stuff, I started writing a book. Um, one of the things Jansen wanted, he wanted to get his MBA. I wanted to learn Spanish. Um, so- um, right after the Olympics, within a year after the Olympics, we sold our house and moved to Costa Rica and we lived there for a couple of years and he got his master's degree and ahora yo puedo hablar español. Are we blowing it right now, Adam? You and me as like life conquerors, listen to this. You're like, hey, I'll quit my job. I'll go do this. We'll do, go to the Olympics. Then vamos a mudar a Costa Rica more, or wherever. I'm just getting more and more aggravated at Jansen. <laughs> I gotta be friends. Like, Don't he, fight him. You should oh be friends with him. You should be friends. Yeah, That's dude, right. you can't you can't fight a force like that. You gotta meet it where yeah, it is. He's a dude. stud. But just even okay, simple keep going. things. So you simple things. To learn learning Spanish, how to so like moved. learning how to juggle. Learning to play harmonica. Learning what a kalimba is and playing it. Learning uh, twenty constellations and their mythology. Um, learning how to tie twenty knots and learning why you'd use them and when you'd use them. Like just random stuff. Do you guys ever like 
watch a show? Like sit yeah, we down do. and like- <laughs> We do. Maybe Absolutely. turn the fireplace on and watch a show. Yeah, it's we always just did like, a puzzle hey, last night. I'm almost there. Got 19 <laughs> knots. <laughs> I've, I've hoisted up a mast in the front yard <laughs> with the bowling. Oh my goodness. That's a knot. <laughs> A bowling. You call it a bowling. You already know this sailor. You already Um, know it. (laughs) What a cool thing! So now that's the like the like life. We like like it. Challenge. Yeah, but our list keeps growing, and some of them are like going places, like normal people's bucket list, probably. Like, um, like go. We want to see aurora borealis. We want to step foot on every continent. Like we have stuff like that too. But have you seen? I'm sure you have where you can like, they have those glass igloos up there where you can stay on no. a glass igloo. You like a seen yurt? This? What is it? It's a glass igloo under the Northern Lights. That's no. the way you have to go experience where it. Where is it? Is it like Iceland? Iceland? Is it Iceland? Is it Iceland? If you look it up Finland? on Instagram Iceland? or whatever, okay. just, if you type in like best vacation or Adding place that. you have to see, yeah. it's a glass cool. igloo. So it's warm and stuff, but yeah, you get the whole cool. Aurora Borealis That's thing. awesome. Yeah, oh, that's how it. you guys okay, got adding that. You'll have to send us a, a okay, picture when a you're picture. out there. Absolutely. And we'll still probably be here and leave. Why don't you guys join? Come on, <laughs> join in on this adventure. Well, meanwhile, Noel and Jansen are selling off everything <laughs> and just going, you know what? We're doing it. We're doing it. We'll ask home. questions we're later. I'm going to go home a little <laughs> excited and tell my wife, I'm like, hey, we're going on a trip with this new couple. Mm-hmm. She's like, what are you talking about? The baby's crying. You haven't been home for two days. <laughs> <Quit my job. laughs> oh, that's so cool. I'm like such a fan of you guys. I think oh, I hope fun. you do it. My yeah, bucket cool. list is like so small and pitiful, but it's like, I need to grow it. It's fun doing it with somebody though. Like we have found like, I mean, I used to have a bucket list like growing up, but doing it with my spouse has made a huge difference. Yeah, and I'm some sure. of, and our goals aren't always the same, but we'll just be like, Hey, I'm going to start one like the first of this month. And let's just set a 30 day goal to learn this, like whatever it is. And he'll like, I didn't learn harmonica. He did that, but I wanted to learn something. Called, it's a finger piano called the Kalimba. So I'm like, okay, I want to learn five songs. It's got on like this a thing. little small instrument. It's band. just great. Well, we don't even like, I don't know even great, but I'm good. Like I'm learning, you know, and you just do the best. Just you can. imagine like inviting it's them great. over. Kids are just solving Rubik's. Yeah. With we're like, we're going to have the Pace family over. <laughs> like, and all of a like, sudden they whip out yeah. of their pockets, instruments and play. Oh, a Christmas yeah, what, 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 what are we working on right now? Oh my gosh. Well, right now, right now, honest. Well, my next one is to learn how to speed paint in twenty minutes. Like it's cool. a twenty-minute speed paint, and you. So I saw this cool like one. A street performer. Wouldn't like that be cool? Upside yeah. down. Yeah. Yes, upside down, and you <laughs> paint it, and like it's like ends up being like Elvis uh-huh. Presley or something. Yeah. yeah. That's the next one on my list. Okay. That I really want to learn. That's going to be in, in this next Why month. Why do they do so. upside down? I've never. I don't get. I it. don't know if it's easier or more for the effect. No. Is it easier if you're not looking at the image and you're just focusing on the process? If you're being yeah, process see? oriented and results driven, then you're looking at lines rather line than yeah. Rather than does it this sucks? Sense. It doesn't look like Elvis. Or is it when you flip it, you're like, oh my gosh, yeah, it's Elvis. Yeah. I'll let know. you know after I figure it out. You figure that out and let us know. <laughs> Report. Back. I feel like we should commit to something. I feel like we should commit to a bucket list item. I agree. I don't know. I'm about ready for this episode to be done. I'm feeling like a failure. <laughs> oh I'm just like. <laughs> There's two ways to I'm take depressed. it. I'm feeling, I'm feeling invigorated. Yeah. <laughs> feeling highly underachieved. Like highly underachieved in my life. Here's my items on my bucket list. I only have three. I did one of them. Here. I wanted to ride a motorcycle coast to coast. So cool. me and my dad did that. It was really awesome. Uh, I want to be friends with Mike Tyson. Putting that out there. If anyone I knows Iron it. Mike, you we were close to him once. Like we're so close. I just don't want to blow it. It's got to be right. Uh <laughs> I want to I want to go to an F one race in Monaco. Oh, cool! And just that's the place I want to view it from, and I want to throw a Molotov cocktail at a car. That's four. oh wow! Yeah, one of them. At a did. car? Oh, you already did. Not okay. a like a not a moving car. Oh, okay. Oh, I see. No, no, like yeah, just stage. Okay, I see. Like it's like I feel like if I focused on that, I could oh, knock yeah. that out in a year. You could totally do that. Yeah. Oh, you absolutely could. Yeah. All right. You could do it I in less than a year. I have none. 
Oh, you have to okay. have one. Come on, one. Um, hmm. I don't. I mean, I'm just I'm process driven, Ty. I just enjoy. The Let's process. get you one. By the end of this episode, it's gonna end. It's gonna be over. Oh, we got got four minutes. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah. So now uh, you do all kinds of things. Uh, I've seen you speak different places. Are you working on a book? That's that's one of my next ones for this next year. I want to I want to write a book um, specifically about mindset. But right now, um, we're my husband, and I, Jansen, and I, Jansen, I'm so sorry, we're bring him up again. <laughs> hey, um, let, don't put him under a bushel. Let this man shine. Yeah, uh, but we I've work come to together. Terms with okay, it. okay, fine. good. In the full like hour, okay. Um, but we create leadership development courses now. Oh, cool. So we we take those to businesses and help to define purpose and values, and we talk about things like relationships, failure, overcoming fear, um, all mindset, growth mindset principles, and um, it's been a lot of fun to develop and to see it and to kind of shift and mold as companies need. And it's, it's just been a lot of fun. Can I make a recommendation? I would love it. Yes. As you're out accomplishing things um, to write a book. So have you ever heard of the Big Life Journal? Yes, I have. Isn't it great? Yeah, it's awesome. Big Life Journal. Have awesome. you seen the Big Life Journal? Your kids would kids love it. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it's great. So if you're out doing, you know, one of the things I can't remember if we said it in this one or in another one, but you wish that you had those experiences on mindset going into it. I feel like mindset is something now you can get a lot of mindset coaching, but probably even when you were 16, you probably didn't get as much mindset as you did technique. But my daughters, I see it so much in them where it's like, they're so talented at things, but they don't think about that. Cause how can you without the experience? And so if you wrote a book and it was on mindset, I wish there was more content for especially my daughters at that age. Cause you got corny stuff like, Oh, here's like chicken soup for the soul or the yeah, teenage yeah. soul. Yeah. And you got the big life journal, which is cool. The yeah. big life journal will be stuff like, you know, name things that you're grateful for. Or if you could create an app, what would you do? Or what's a service that could help someone else? Like they're really yeah. good mindset Question. things. Yeah. yeah. But, uh, it's, it's, there's kind of a gap between like young kids, big life journals, a little young and then teenage stuff to where you're reading. But like, yeah, I like that. But like, like Jocko, that. Jocko Willink, if you know Jocko did a, do you know mm -hmm. him? He's a Navy uh -oh. SEAL commander guy. He's got a podcast. He's the man, but he did a, a book series called the way of the warrior kid, which is great for like young boys. Very cool. Uh, it talks about like, the, he's like a Navy SEAL guy. And so he just applied it to kids. That's awesome. So you don't have to do that, but know that I'm a man with daughters awesome. looking Same. for, That'd looking for stuff cool. like that. You know, yeah, there's, I appreciate there's such great. a market for, for, I love it. Teaching love these like it. powerful little girls, like how to, how to, think about things so that they can enjoy the process rather than being, I just see them being hard on themselves, yeah, you know, very, and very much. So who's going to play you and Jansen in the movie? <laughs> well, Jansen's going to be either Bradley Cooper. <laughs> Who oh, else is freaking I great? Tom Hardy. <laughs> uh, who's the guy from Ozark? Jason like, Bateman. I feel like he's kind of has like the crafty vibe. You know what I mean? Yeah. But I think he's a little Jansen is stronger than Bateman to me <laughs> you know love is it he? yeah all right well, who's playing you i don't know who is playing me you guys help me out with this one jennifer lawrence yeah she's like really that? she's, she's, she's hot right now that's who i i'm Maybe like she would be great athletic. yeah she's yeah. good and I she's really determined and she's strong yeah she's yeah. gritty <laughs> man that's let's a good just stop one. there let's yeah. just stop there I'm, I'm happy Still with that thinking about jansen's role We'll get back to you. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> this has been so fun. You're awesome. Oh, this yeah. has been thank so you. great. Yeah, you guys are awesome. Thank you for sharing. And this honestly is going to help a lot of people. Like the, it, it's funny, Adam mentioned this, but sometimes we think our road is hard. Like we think, oh, I'm so frustrated. Today was a hard day. 
but it's always good to be like, wow, you had to persevere through pretty much eight years of your dream being pushed and pushed and pushed. And you really had to like, really had to earn it and achieve it and approach it with the right. And it happened when it was supposed to happen and it happened perfectly. And I think with effort and things like it's a really great lesson for people that are out there trying to, to create their own destiny. So well, thank what's, you. What's cool about your story is, and I think a lot of the most inspirational stories have this like element to the story is that in hindsight today, um, you probably wouldn't change anything about your story. Right. And no. it's like, when you look back at it, you like, you needed those trials, like to really yeah. appreciate, you know, the wins and the, and yeah. the success. Yeah. For so sure. if it would have just come too easy, you know, it would be a go, completely different story. Right. Yeah. And you wouldn't be who you are today. So yeah, it's like, sure. it's a really interesting thing, but I think a lot of our, you know, not to minimize it with like the experience our salespeople are having, but like, I think a lot of them don't realize that like the, the trials and these are going through in their life right now you know, five years from now when they're up giving a training in front of a large group, like these struggles they're going through today are going to be they're building part blocks. of their story. Yeah. Right. They're building so, blocks to yeah. a massive creation. That's going to be epic. It's going to yeah. be great. Yeah, for sure. Well, it's been awesome having you on. Thank you. This has been so fun. Thanks Thank you, you guys. I appreciate it. If you've liked what you've heard and are interested in joining our teams, just DM us on Instagram and one of us will reach out about how to join this dynamic opportunity. You want to come be a part of the best sales team, solar team in the industry? Hit us up. Sunrun. Thanks for hanging out with us today. This is Electric People. Take these principles and go be electric.